Well, WordServe, I am excited to announce that this is the last sermon in this sermon series. Okay, there we go. I was waiting for, I don't know what the reaction would be, like, thank God, move on, or, okay, no, more, more. You always leave them wanting more, that's what I know. So here we are this morning, we're continuing the DNA series, and <clears throat> there we go, got that. <laughs> Sorry, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't double tap enough there, here we go. So here's where we are. We've been through mission, values, and vision. And so now it's time to wrap this all up with strategy. Because if you look at all these things, a mission is what we do. So what is our mission word, sir? There you go. We talked about values and we boiled it down to one main thing, and that is to learn to love like Jesus. Yes, you all are right on top. Maybe you want to go back and, you know, I mentioned these are all on YouTube and the, if you want to check back. And so, so we make disciples. We learn to love like Jesus. The vision last week, we talked about the three things that come together. What, what are the local needs? How has God equipped this converse, congregation, not conversation? And then finally, what is it that energizes us? Because when you find that sweet spot, you have found the vision that God has uniquely equipped and called us to. So that's the vision. Now, the only thing remains is that's great, Bill. How do we do that? Well, strategy answers how we do that. So this morning, we're going to talk about WordServe strategy. Did you know that WordServe has a strategy? Okay, at least one person knows. That's awesome. After today, we'll all know, and it will be out there on perpetuity for forever and ever. So we're going to talk about what WordServe strategy is. It talks about uh, how we do all of this stuff. But I also want to put another layer in this. And I'll start with the story. Uh, the story is called The Car That Never Ran. So I have an older brother. He's six years older than me. Uh, and he had this dream. You know, last week we talked about how we have dreams about how we think should be in the future or what we want to be when we grow up or uh, you know, who that uh, person is that we're going to fall in love and it will be a you know, fairy tale, rainbow, unicorns ever after. And then life happens. And it doesn't always work out that way. Well, I want to tell you a story about when my brother's dream didn't come true. He turned 16 years old. He was always a little bit, uh, well, you know, you have to be different. And so he was always kind of pushing limits and boundaries. And he, he announced to my parents, he didn't ask. He announced to my parents, I'm buying a car. Like, really? Uh, like, you don't have a job. So how's that going to work? Because, well, I'm, I'm going to make the money. I'm going I'm to buy a car. And so he bought a car. Now, before I, uh, I'll show you the picture of, of the car here in a second. Not the actual car, but the car like it. He bought a 1963 Cadillac. Yeah, uh, yeah. Are you relating? Yeah. So when when I say that, this is what you think, right? Ooh, sweet ride, man. No, it looked more like this, uh, and it wasn't quite reality. It needed a lot. Of, in fact, it worked. It looked worse than that. And, and what was worse is it had rust and, and the, the fins in the back like the old Batmobile for those old timers out there, right? Uh, it had rust and it had poked all the way through the metal. The undercoating was terrible. The, the engine didn't work. It, not only did it not run, it didn't even turn over. I mean, this was, this was it had to be towed to our house. So my dad was thinking, okay, well, maybe this is a great bonding opportunity. You know, dad, you can relate, right? Oh, this will be something my son and I can do together. You know, we'll, we'll get into this. And so the first thing he had to do was give up his parking spot in the garage. Yeah, Dad had to park outside until this thing was up and running. And so this 1963 Cadillac, by the way, which cleared the garage door by about that much, spent time in our garage. 
Now, my brother, he's kind of artistic and handsy. You know, he can make things with his hands. So the first thing he wanted to do was the bodywork because he could do that, right? It's just sculpting right? and, and painting and stuff. So he worked tirelessly. He was out there all the time, you know, sanding, all the things that you have to do to, to make a rusted vehicle look well, right? So he was out there doing all this stuff, and then it got to, okay, what's next? What's next? Uh, the interior. I'm going to do the interior next. Great, great. That was my... So he's doing odd jobs, and he actually ended up getting a job to pay for the re refurbishing of his vehicle. He gets the interior looking pretty good. You know, it kind of got that old car funk smell out of it. You know, all that stuff that you got to do. You, you know what I mean. Uh, and then he gets to, uh, well, what's next? Uh, the tires. I, I'm going to work on the tires next. Great. Right, so he's got the tires, he changes them all, he gets nice hubcaps and the big white walls. Everybody remember white walls? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, now we're talking. Uh, and then uh, there, there came this time, somewhere between hubcaps and white walls, he met this girl. Why is it always we meet the girl or the boy, right? He met this girl, and, and suddenly the speed of the project took a downturn. And so did his finances, by the way, but that's a wholly different matter. So the, the most expensive, most complicated thing he had saved for last, and what is it? The motor, right? <laughs> the engine. If you got a beautiful car and it doesn't move, is it really a car? I mean, no, right? This was the most beautiful showcase thing that we had in our garage. Now, I don't know how long that first process worked you know, until he got to the between hubcaps and white walls, but... I know that this last process would have gone on to perpetuity had my dad not issued the edict, you got one month, son, and then it's got to go. Oh, no, yeah, no problem, no problem, I got it. What do you think happened? <laughs> yeah, not only did the month go by, the car went bye-bye too, right? So my dad had it hauled off. He said, hey, look, I'll pay you for what you've done, but we can't just have a Hulk sitting there in the, in the garage taking up space. And so... So was the car that never ran. It's, it's the dream that never came true, right? It was the most beautiful thing looking on the outside, but it could not even turn over. So, so it was clearly not doing its purpose, right? Now, maybe you have similar circumstances in your life. You have dreams that haven't come true. Because I think if you think back to that slide of what we want to be when we grow up, sometimes uh, we just it, it's an unrealistic expectation. I, I, I was uh, in love with American football. I have to say American, American football. Uh, I wanted to grow up and be a middle linebacker. That was my life's dream. You know, why are you laughing? <laughs> my dad, bless his heart, said, son, I don't think we have the genetics for that. Have you considered anything else? <laughs> well, clearly I'm not a middle linebacker in the NFL, right? But I'm okay with that. Things develop. But that's a dream that necessarily needed to go on its way. I think the other reason, though, that we give up on dreams sometimes is we don't realize that dreams take work. Dreams don't just happen. Dreams actually take some work, and dreams take motivation over time. You can't just be fired up like my brother was to fix his car, and then his attention got distracted elsewhere. We have to be continually fired up for that to take place. That, that's how these things work. So when we talk about this, this idea, I know what you're, what you're dealing with sometimes, because if you've ever had that dream like, oh, this is, this is my perfect home gym. I'm going to get in shape. This is the year I'm going to do it. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get healthy. You know how I know that this is a staged shot? Because this is what your exercise bike really looks like. <laughs> and how do I know that? 
because that's what my exercise bike looks like if I don't really put it into it, right? So some of the things that we can do to help these dreams come along is we can set goals, we can do all that stuff, but sometimes we need an internal motivation, not an external motivation, right? The external motivation is I'm gonna be in shape by the time it's bikini season or whatever. Um, I'm gonna look good for my son or daughter's wedding. I'm gonna, there's a timeline, right, an external. But what happens when that thing comes and goes? Is there any more motivation left? And the answer is no. Sometimes that thing doesn't even have to come and go. That external motivation over time just isn't as effective. So we need an internal motivation. We need something that catches us from the inside and lights a fire from within. And sometimes, uh, ironically, that comes from outside. That comes from other people. Like if your exercise bike looks like that, but you have a partner or partners that you agree to exercise with, it's not gonna look like that as quickly. It might eventually. But if you have people that are pushing you and have expectations of you, it, it'll go better. That can become an internal motivation. So what am I saying? We're, we're gonna talk about how we do things here, but we're also gonna talk about the motivation for them because the two cannot be separated or we will fail as a church. And we can't afford to do that church because we've got the good news that the world needs. Now, you may be looking at this church saying, well, is this a dream come true? Is this a dream that will, the little church that never started, the, the church that never ran, looked good on the outside, but never got the motor turned over? Now, here's, here's my uh, presumption, word sir. As, a, as we look at this photo, this is not the church. And this is what gives me hope. The church is never about a building. The church is never about a geographic location. I'm looking at the church. And this church has great potential. This church has the vision. It has values. It has mission. And it's a worthwhile mission. Making disciples of Jesus Christ is a worthwhile mission. And it is what the world needs, probably now more than ever in my lifetime. So all that remains is, how do we do this? And how do we do this in a way that motivates us continually? Because I guarantee the minute that you get started on a mission for God, there's going to be opposition. It's a no-brainer. It's going to happen. So the question is, will we face opposition? The question is, when we do, how do we handle it? That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the church that was on fire in the beginning, literally. So we're going to be reading from Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. And the, the setting of this is uh, Jesus has been crucified, dead, buried, rose from the dead. He has come back. He has spent time among the disciples. And he gives this disciple to the, uh, this instruction to the early disciples in the early church. So in chapter 1, we, we pick up in verse 4. And when it says he, we're talking about Jesus. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. These are the words of God for the people of God, and for these words, we are grateful. I want to pick up on a couple of things that he says there. Uh, this is one of the most frustrating things when it comes to wanting to see your dreams come to fruition. Wait. Did you see it? Don't leave Jerusalem until. He's saying wait. I know you want the Holy Spirit, and when that Holy Spirit comes on you, you will, you will have power, is what the text says later. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Who doesn't want that? In fact, I want it right now. But Jesus says, wait. 
And so they wait. And how do they wait? That's also important. Don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my father promised. John baptized with water. But in a minute, you're going to get the Holy Spirit. Baptized with the Holy Spirit. So what's the difference between a water baptism and a baptism of the Holy Spirit? Great question. Glad you asked, even if you didn't. So when we get baptized with water, that, that's a symbol of repentance. That's an outward symbol of us repenting, of dying to self and rising to Christ, right? But water is an outside thing, right? You don't drink the water when you get baptized. Wouldn't recommend it, right? It's, it's an outside cleansing. It's a, it's, a, it's a reset button, if you will, right? I've gotten off the track. I need to get on the track. Okay, now I'm on the track. Beautiful. And now what? Well, now you need to turn the motor and you need to run. Because if you don't, you're just sitting where you started. So the Holy Spirit is that thing. If you look back into John chapter 14, the Holy Spirit's role is to teach us and remind us of everything that Jesus said. So this is our coach. This is the one that's going to come alongside us and provide that motivation. And hopefully that becomes that internal motivation that never dies because Jesus is never going to stop his mission. He's never going to leave us or forsake us. He's always going to be there. The Holy Spirit is going to be constantly reminding us and constantly teaching us what Jesus asked us to do, this mission. He's always going to be doing that. The question is, are we always going to be listening? If you've ever had a personal trainer, you know how it goes. Yeah, okay, I need some help. I'm going to hire a coach. Great. This coach is awesome. That's week one. <laughs> week two, I don't know about this coach. Kind of mean. Week three is, I hate this person. I don't ever want to see them again and curse them and their children. No, so you know how it goes, right? We don't like to be told, but man, if you stick with it, great things can happen. My encouragement this morning, word service, stick with the Holy Spirit. When he asks, when he calls, when he beckons, when he asks us to do things out of our comfort zone, don't shy away from that. Don't sleep in and miss the workout or miss the adventure. So this is what this early church is, is getting this, this baptism. Yeah, we got your reset with the repentance part in the water, but now we're going to fire you up literally on the inside. Because when that Holy Spirit came, it came like a rush of wind and they had like tongues of fire over their heads. The church was literally on fire. And when I say church, the people were literally on fire for the mission of Jesus Christ. That's my prayer for word, sir. So how does this work? How do, how do we do this? Well, here is the magic strategy circle. And uh, it's, it's made some, some colors that are hard to see. So I'm going to walk us through this a little bit. It's the four C's. So if you can remember that, it's four C's. We start at the top with celebrate. That's the very top one. And that is our connection to God. That's what we're doing right now. We come together, we gather together, and we worship. And we get drawn up into his presence. And so we don't call his presence down. We get drawn up into his presence. As Jimmy sang earlier, it's always here. We're just not aware of it. So make us aware. This is what we're doing right now. And we're coming together to see how we can connect with God because if we don't connect there first, everything else is done in vain. I can have the very best ideas. I can have the very best programs. I can have the very best presentation. Uh, we can all get together and we can chat and we can laugh and we can have fun. But if the Holy Spirit isn't behind that, guiding everything we do, then it's for nothing. Apart from me, you can do. Now you see that common theme through this series of DNA. So community, uh, celebrate, excuse me, is, is the up connection. 
Community is the in connection. So community is where we get together. If you're a part of a team, uh, you probably practice together or part of a band, right? Like never in the history of band practice have you had separate instruments in, in every room and then it's time to go out on the field and do that marching display and they, they meet each other for the first time. How would that go? Yeah, it'd be America's Funniest Videos. That's how that would go, right? It would be terrible. But isn't that what we do at church sometimes? We have stovepipes of people that we don't talk to each other. Uh, we don't even express what the mission is or sometimes we forget. Uh, we lose the value of learning to love like Jesus. And then we go and we try to present to the world because something has happened. Maybe there's been a tragedy. Maybe there's been something that causes us to go and serve. And it's the first time we've met each other. How's that going to go? America's Funniest Videos or America's Saddest Videos. So one of those two. So my, my encouragement is as we embrace this, that we also embrace each other in the puzzle pieces that God has put in this place. Help us learn to, to work together. Help us to learn to love like Jesus. And you know how you learn to love like Jesus? Sometimes you get difficult people put in your path that causes you to love them. It's easy to love lovable people. It's kind of tough to love unlovable people. But isn't that what Jesus did? And if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, isn't that what I should strive for? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying go out and find the most unlovable people you can find and practice your love. Yeah, no. I'm saying God's going to bring it along when it's time. That's the beauty of a coach. And when, not if, when that happens, then you'll learn to love like Jesus with the Holy Spirit coaching you. Then when we uh, get to the out part, we've received this thing from God. We've bolstered each other. We're a united front. We go out and we serve the world. I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, word sir. This is not a surprise to you. I just wanted to, you to see that this is an actual strategy that we employ. Now, here's the interesting thing about this strategy. If you picture a three-legged stool, you'll, you'll pretty quickly recognize that if I just do one, like, uh, I'm just going to do celebrate. Beautiful. Okay. How stable am I? Oh, huh. Not very stable at all, right? So the first time that anything buffets us, that's, that's not going to stand. That's not going to last. Life got tough. I, I don't have time to do this. And, and frankly, that's not very useful. So you know what? Okay, I'm going to do celebrate. I'll come on Sunday. Uh, and I like the service project. So we'll do that one as well. Great. How stable am I? Getting better, but I'm not there yet going to take all three. And that's deliberate on WordServe's part. It's not like we just made this up. We, we actually hired people back in the day before my time, experts, to talk about what's this look like. Well, the third part is that in piece, in, out, and up. If we have those three things, WordServe, we're going to be very, <laughs> very stable. I forgot that the bottom one has the lock too for that. <laughs> See, that's human error. That's not the Holy Spirit at work, right? So now, all of a sudden, we become stable. And the beauty of this is the world can blow and rock and try to distract and do all these things. It can try and pull us down from our place where we belong. We're going to be immovable. Like the psalmist says, my feet are on the rock. You lifted me out of the miry pit. You placed my feet upon the rock. That's what this looks like. And this is why this dream sometimes doesn't come true, because this dream 
takes work. It takes us being willing to engage in these three areas, at least as a disciple of Christ. I'm convinced of that. And what that looks like for you might be completely different. I'm not saying that you must do this one thing. I'm saying if you don't have these three parts in, out, and up, you're going to be shaken by this world. But if you do, we're going to be a lot more stable. And by we, I mean the church, us, together. Because yes, life is tough. But you know what? Yes, we are together. Yes, we serve a risen Christ. Yes, we serve a Holy Spirit that has a valuable mission for us to partake in. Now, the one thing that's lacking in this model, what is it? It's mobility. It's like my brother's car. See, to this point, we've got stability, but you know, this model is, is a very old church model. This is the 1950s through 1990s model that says, here we are. Come and find Jesus. Come to us. You must come to us. But we've never turned the engine, and we've stayed inside our cocoons. And as a result, people become less and less interested, and we become less and less relevant to the community around us. What we need is a motor. What we need is that final C. Did you notice I said four Cs, but there's only three on the screen? Yeah, the astute players are out there keeping track. This is good, because the fourth C is right in the middle, and it is called connect. We always say you do these three things and connect it with your daily life. Because if we don't connect everything that we do here and everything that we believe to our daily life, then it's kind of a useless tool. It's like my brother's car sitting in a garage. It doesn't do anything. Anybody a VeggieTales fan? We are the pirates who don't do anything. <laughs> yeah, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one that knows that, right? So we don't want to be the car sitting in the garage. We want to be stable and mobile at the same time. So no matter where we go, we bring that stability with us. So how, how does this apply in your life? Well, you tell me. Bill, I'm so tied up with my kids, whatever practice, band, sports, whatever, great. Take this to practice. Awesome. Uh, we're so tied up with school activities. Take this to school. We're so tied up with work. Take this to work and be stable there. See, we think, we make the mistake that this stability is only here on Sunday or the stability is only found in that community group or when I'm serving God. But folks, if we're disciples of Christ, when are we ever not serving God? I think this is the model that Jesus employed. He came from great stability. He needed nothing. He came from heaven itself. But he came down into a very chaotic world. And what did he do? Did he sit in Bethlehem and say, Come to me, everyone, come to Bethlehem, uh, you'll get some great news. Absolutely, he did not. And nor does he call us to be stagnant either. It's mobile stability. I just coined a phrase. Mobile stability is what disciples of Christ need. The stability is found in Christ. The mobility is the call of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, he'll equip us when he calls us. I'm convinced of that as well. So how do we prioritize getting this Holy Spirit, this mobile stability, well, look at what they did. You can continue to read in the book of Acts in chapter 1 and 2. They gathered together on a regular basis. Now, you think, oh, that's nice. They, they ordered dominoes and, and watched the game together. No, these people went to Jerusalem. Pentecost, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit happened 50 days after what event? Christ's death. So how do you think the atmosphere was in Jerusalem from, let's say, 30 to 50 days after Christ's death. Were they friendly towards Christians? 
No, they gathered at great peril. They never knew when they're sitting there, is somebody going to burst through the door and take us away and crucify us too? See, that's dedication. That's not like, oh, I woke up and it's raining. I don't think I'll make it today. No, man, they were in. And that's what it takes. Constant prayer. But again, my favorite question, to what end? Constant prayer for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Wait for it, Jesus said, that power will come when the Holy Spirit arrives. And boy, did it. Because if you look at the church before the Holy Spirit and the early church after the Holy Spirit, it's a whole different ballgame. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for the church after the Holy Spirit. Think about that for a minute. Let that sink in. And then they waited expectantly, already surrendered. See, one of the things that you learn when you uh, have dreams that disappear on you is that, yeah, they take work. And sometimes you have to wait expectantly, expecting that something will change, but expecting that I'm going to have to be a part of the work that makes that change as well. Sometimes it doesn't work out like you thought. You, obviously, I'm not wearing an NFL uniform with number 55 on, right? But you know what? That's okay. I don't have to. There's other things that God calls me to and equips me for. And that's the part of the discovery process. And that's perfectly okay. But here's what I want to convey to you. Uh, this magic formula, if we will hold on to this, this will keep us going even when times are tough. If we have the right motive, and that is to glorify God, to take this mobile stability out to the world, and we have consistency. Whoever sees change without consistency? Uh, no one. That's Hollywood. That's not real life. And then we surrender. Sometimes we have to let go of things. I had to let go of the fact that I will never be an NFL linebacker. I was crushed for about a week. And then I found something else I could do, and I was uncrushed. Sometimes we have to let go of our expectations and accept what it is that Jesus is calling to, because I guarantee you, whatever he's calling to, us to is way better than what we have. If we will do all that, then we get to the point of transformation. I think too many churches these days are about information, not transformation. And, and word serve as I look at us and what we do, I'm super excited for the future of this church, not this building, this church because I see people who are striving for this. Are we perfect? No. Do we mess up? Yes. But do we get the idea that this is more than just information and it's transformation? Yes. Now, for those of you who are interested in WordServe 101, you just clipped out a half the course. So all you gotta do is come here at the other half on September 10th, right? Here's the, here's the last thing and the, and the most hopeful of all for this church. If you keep reading in Acts chapter two, uh, this is what happens as this Holy Spirit stability, mobility, peace continues out in this early church. This is what God says about the last days. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Ah, word, sir. It is time to dream. And it is not time to dream vacant, self-serving dreams. It's time to dream God-sized dreams. And if we will follow the Holy Spirit, then these dreams will come true. Will you pray with me, please? God, thank you for the vision that drives us. Thank you for the mission to make disciples. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who modeled that all so wonderfully. 
God, help us to accept uh, where we are, to surrender our own ideas and expectations, fully yield to what you have for us. God, at the same time as we release those things, there's a sense of sorrow, maybe even a sense of passing. But God, I pray that you would replace that with something even greater, something that energizes us from the inside out, something that calls us into something even more we can, than we can imagine. And God, I pray then that it is so big that we can't do it by ourselves. We can't do the mission. We can't have the vision. We can't even figure out how to do it because when it works, that's when we know that you're in it and you're moving through us. So God, we don't pray for a smaller vision. We don't pray for smaller tasks to do that are well within our comfort zone. We pray for your spirit to drive us to something greater than we can imagine. And we pray that for your glory, for your honor, just the way Jesus did. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.